part of sports is that you get to enjoy the highs, but then you also have to live with the lows. And you hope to have less lows than highs, obviously, but if you're going to ride high and if you're going to enjoy the good times and if you're going to be confident and excited during the good times, you also got to be understand that you know, when it goes bad, you take that too. I mean, I'm not going to stand up here and not take my lumps. I mean, we, we didn't do what we were supposed to do. We started the season great and we finished the season terrible. Doesn't matter what I say, Mike, you're going to write fucking every time, so it doesn't matter what you say. Boy, this season just leaves a foul taste in every Cardinals fan's mouth. Pull up your pants, take off the bra, and be a man! What a great gesture, right? I, what am I going to stand here and say, no, I don't think that's great, and I don't appreciate that, and it was never asked for. Actually, there was there were meetings where I, I almost, you know, kind of explicitly told them, don't do that, or you don't have to do that, or that's not why we're all here, and uh, we're enough have an opportunity to put ourselves in position to win games. So... But that being said, um, I'm extremely grateful for the relationships that have been built um, with me and the players, along with the other coaches and the players and me and the coaches. So for them to do that, um, I'm very thankful and grateful for that. You just crushed my dreams. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. I enjoy that Rich Passaccia sound there. Was He was asked about the players basically saying, hey, we want Rich Passaccia to be our head coach. And Rich Passaccia's like, listen, I told them in a meeting not to do that. Right. <laughs> Guys. Do stop. you understand how stressful this has been for me? But at the same time, I mean, it's almost like when your girlfriend goes, don't get me anything on Valentine's Day. And if they do... I mean, and, you know, and if you get her something, she's not going to be mad about it. I mean, I'm sure there was a little point of pride on his part, right? I mean, wouldn't you think? Well, why would you even tell the players, hey, don't say anything about me? Well, because he's probably trying to play the humble game, and he's probably trying to take whatever type of attention off him, which I think is a good good coach to be like, guys, it's not about me and what's happening in the, in the tabloids and the papers. Let's just focus on what's going on right now. Tabloids, listen to you. Tabloids. I think, but I think his only chance to keep the job is the players. That, well, that absolutely. So That's I think he should way. want the players to be no, overtly. But when he says, but think about how, think about the mind game here. The if mind he says, game. Oh, Rich Passaccia definitely oh, plays the mind game. He's playing mind chess with these guys. Think about it. If he says, guys, don't stick up for me, and they're like, no, Rich, we love you that much. Don't you think that's going to look better <laughs> in, the, in Mark Davis's eyes? I guess. Okay. Let's get to the story from Ian Rappaport um, from last weekend. Derek Carr and the Raiders are going to make a mutual decision after the season on his future. Carr has one year left on his contract. He's going to be paid $19.8 million, right? And there's zero dead cap hit if the Raiders trade him or release him. So they can cut him, they can trade him, whatever, and it's not going to impact their salary cap at all. Uh, Ian Rappaport wrote, Las Vegas and Carr have a mutual decision to make this offseason, and sources say the choice of head coach will be a factor. Do you believe Derek Carr should have any sort of say in who the next head coach is? I think... Maybe he should be asked, like, okay, look at this guy's style. Look at this guy's style. Like, you have to t- – if you plan on moving forward Derek Carr, you have to actually get a coach that he's going to be able to gel with, have an offense that's suited to his skills. So, I mean, I would imagine they would ask him about it, but would you take that much of what he has to say into consideration, especially if you're thinking about moving on from him? So that's the interesting part. Who's thinking about moving on from Derek Carr? Because they do not have a general manager at the moment. And that's what, I'm, that's what I'm curious about here. Because the Raiders fire Mike Mayock. They don't have a GM. They 
technically don't have a head coach. I mean, Rich Passaccia is still the interim, so he exists, but they technically don't have a head coach. So the idea of are they going to move on from Derek Carr or not comes down to who they hire. And if they hire a general manager, and, and this maybe goes to Mark Davis. Maybe Mark Davis is, can dictate this who with who he hires. But, like, I'm fascinated to know Mark Davis hires a new GM. First off, is Mark Davis hiring a new GM, and is he telling that GM, hey, I want us to keep this roster together and try to push forward? Or is he hiring that GM, and is, is he telling him, you can do whatever you want, this is your team, right? Like, is he basically saying, I'm hands off, it's your team, do what you want. But also, there's a head coaching hire that's involved in that too. And who's going to have more power, the head coach or the GM? Because if you hire Jim Harbaugh, I have to imagine that guy's going to have a lot more power than whoever you're bringing in to be the GM, right? I mean, you're not hiring Jim Harbaugh and then he's taking orders from whoever the general manager is. If you hire a coordinator or something, if you hire Gerard Mayo, the Patriots linebackers coach, you're probably hiring a GM and the GM is making most of the rosters. So it's just, there are so many moving parts that I don't even know who would be making the decision on Carr. Like who would Carr, like even if Carr had a say in this, who who is he talking to and who wants Carr or who doesn't want Carr? I do think it kind of it definitely comes down to uh, Mark Davis. I think he's the one that's going, do I like Carr when you compare him to the other top 10 quarterbacks in the league, especially when you compare him to the elite? Do you like him enough to bring in a new head coach and work around Derek Carr? Or do you just say total rebuild, trade him for possible first and second round picks? I mean, wouldn't you think? Right. And that, and that's what I that's what I'm fascinated to know what how Mark Davis is basically approaching general managers and head coaches in this hiring process because you can it's very easy they just made the playoffs it's very easy to make the argument hey this roster's okay it's a it's a good enough roster to be a playoff contender and with a you know a couple good draft picks or a couple good free agent signings like. This team can can win 10 games again, and this team could maybe win a playoff game, right? It's very easy to talk yourself into that. And Mark Davis, since he's been the owner, this team's been in the playoffs twice in like, what what are we at? Like 12 years, I think, since he's been the owner or something like that. Like, they haven't been good. So he might look at it and say, we made the playoffs. Let's just try to keep everything in together, keep everything status quo, and try to make the playoffs with this roster. But to me, and you said it earlier in the show about they should probably rebuild. Given what the Kansas City Chiefs are, and given what we think Justin Herbert and the Chargers could be, this division is an uphill climb for the next five years. And I think it's easier to say Derek Carr and this roster are not winning this division anytime soon. And then you throw in, go outside the division, and just look at the AFC, where Josh Allen and the Bills exist, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens exist, Joe Burrow and the Bengals exist, like it's really easy to look around the AFC and say, wow, this Raiders roster, while yes, it made the playoffs, it's hard to see them being anything better than the sixth best team in the AFC for the next five seasons. In which case, you should absolutely be rebuilding because you don't have a chance to win a Super Bowl right now. There's zero chance this roster wins Super Bowl. But I don't know what Mark Davis, like how he views it. He might view it as, hey, Playoffs is good enough. We've sucked for two decades. If we can just be a consistent 9-10 win team and be relevant in the final weeks of the season and occasionally make it, he might be happy with that. He might be like, that's better than what we've been doing. And I wouldn't really fault him for that because they've sucked for basically two decades. But 
in reality, you're playing to win the Super Bowl and they don't have a chance to win it. So he might look at it and say, we need to blow everything up because we're not catching Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. We're not catching Herbert, Burrow, Jackson, Allen. He might say, blow it all up because we need to find a way to get that type of quarterback. And Derek Carr's not that. I just, I don't know how he views his team and his roster right now. I look at Derek Carr as a step above Ryan Tannehill. Like, if you get a solid run game and something that you can play action off of, Derek Carr can be extremely effective. It's Matt Stafford, Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill, and Derek Carr. That's Those are kind of all the same guys. Yeah. Right? And we've seen it. Stafford's a great example. When he's in Detroit, they did make the playoffs a couple of times, but he's been mm-hmm. in Detroit. They basically suck every year because that organization was a dumpster fire, and they had a bad roster most of those years. Immediately, first year he's in with a good organization, great roster. They're in the playoffs. They're in the they're among the final eight teams. I think Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill could all have done the same exact thing. Any one of those quarterbacks is in LA this year. They're the same exact team. There's nothing significantly different with the Rams if Carr's there. So that's what and that's what I think Carr is. Is if you have a great roster around him, he's he's a solid quarterback. You can win with him. Maybe 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 not the Super Bowl, but you can win with him. Whereas the Raiders don't have a good roster around him, so they don't really have a chance to win a Super Bowl. I think if you put Derek Carr on like a team like the 49ers, they're instantly a Super Bowl contender. They're good. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think instantly. So. Yeah, he's but, better than Jimmy Garoppolo. And I yeah, that, that's a great roster. Good defense, great skill position, guys. Like, that's a good roster. And and when you have a guy like Kyle Shanahan and even, even uh, Cleveland with the run game that they have. You know, like when you have when you have an uh, instant playoff, I'm team. just saying, but you're going to have a but with the way the Browns defense played this yeah, season. They probably are. And if you had Derek Carr under center and they would have won three more games, they're winning the AFC North. So. Baker and a first round pick for Derek Carr. Do you make that trade? Yes. In a second. You're you're as the Cleveland Browns in, you a, make that second, in a second. You make that trade in a second. If you're the Raiders, do you even take Baker? No, you just. I no I mean he kicked the top. I mean he's got a year left on his contract. Yeah, that's probably it, okay. it's worth kicking the tires. If you're if you're the Raiders and you decide we're gonna rebuild, yeah, you probably say yeah Baker can be our quarterback for one year, and if he's awesome, great, is we'll he sign him and keep him. If he sucks, we'll draft somebody or move on, whatever. Yeah, I I think yeah I I don't think that's a terrible trade if you're rebuilding. Right, I would say you look at Baker, and it's not like he's not. It's not like they're. It's not like people don't go. Well, I mean, he could be. I mean, do you think about how bad the Browns were before he got there? It's pretty remarkable the turnaround that he's had. But he still doesn't have a winning record as an NFL quarterback. Yeah, he what he did going into the he season, did. and now he's right back to where that fifty percent, a little bit under fifty percent win percentage, just like the typical Cleveland Browns quarterback that we've come to expect. Okay, so let me ask you this Wait, similar question. Whoa, 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 no, we. You guys won one game in two years one time. 50% is the moon. Do you know how many you know how many quarterbacks we had that season? There was like a ton. There was like, yeah, we, we did all a, three of them. We did a bit on this where we figured out that at one point, Terrell Pryor was not only the best quarterback on the team, he was the best wide receiver on yes. the team. And he literally couldn't throw it to himself. And I remember, what, and, I, and this is how dumb the Browns organization was. They were going to give Terrell Pryor a giant contract. But like for somebody who had like one good season at wide receiver, they were going to give him a giant contract. And he was like, no, I'm going to bet on myself. And then I don't the think true trail prior actually came through. So let me, let me use you as a, a Mark Davis proxy here for a second. You're a Browns fan. Yes. Uh, Browns have been bad. Like the Raiders for mm-hmm. a long time now. If I told you, Hey, 
you can basically you know make some few changes. We'll give you Derek Carr, right? We'll give you Derek Carr, and you're going to be a playoff contender for the next four to five years. You're not a Super Bowl contender, but you're going to win nine, 10, 11 games. You're going to be in the playoffs. You might win a couple of playoff games here and there, but you're going to be a relevant team. You're going to be in the playoffs. Would you rather have that than a complete rebuild and try to win a Super Bowl in four years? I see. The thing is, I am almost thinking that I would rather have that because the the, the first option A. Yeah. Where you're relevant, where you're relevant and you're not pulling out your hair, wondering how is one team dude there? It is scientifically impossible for a team to be as bad as the Browns have been. (laughs) And so, and like, and that's where I think Mark Davis could be like, I think Mark Davis could seriously, I think he could sit back and say, this roster's not good enough to win a Super Bowl. I'm going to keep it as much together as I can and keep Derek Carr because, my God, we won 10 games, and I just I want that. I, I want to be that, close to that much relevance as possible because they've been, so, they've been bad for a long time, and when you lose that much, you at some point you're just like, this is nice. We're not winning the Super Bowl, but we got to watch a playoff game. And that's all it is. It's like you're just you're holding on to this joy that you never really had before. But when you compare it to everyone else's joy, it's not joy. <laughs> it's just an indifferent feeling. What is joy for the Cleveland Browns? Uh, let's see oh. here. My God, let's see. Uh, not having Antonio Brown kick their punter in the face. Remember that? Remember that yeah. punt return? And he booted him I, right I, in the face? <laughs> I was going to just say there was a point where if you asked Siri, where does sadness live? It took you directions to the Cleveland Browns. Dude, I was on stadium. a website. Look, okay, I was I was on the air on comp the other day and I was looking at one of the traffic websites to report traffic. There was an ad for Cleveland tourism. How? Oh, it exists. That's I didn't know that was a thing. Cleveland tourism is oh. like a unicorn. That you, does it's not a thing. You might be able to help help us out with this. Um What's there to do in Cincinnati? What's there to do in Cincinnati? Okay. I've never been. Um, I'm going to quote the David Tell joke. He actually used Dayton, Ohio instead of Cincinnati, but I'm going to just say the same thing. It was, what's fun to do in Cincinnati? Pack up and get the hell out of there. <laughs> That's what it is. Coming up next, Bischoff's Briefs. Bischoff's Briefs. I'm asking you if you know the difference between right and wrong. I discovered at a very early age that if I talk long enough, I could make anything right or wrong. Bischoff's Briefs. So either I'm God or truth is relative. Bischoff's Briefs. And in either case, booyah. Bischoff's Briefs. Gooch is in today for Ed Graney. Jared, before I get to Bischoff's Briefs, did you want to ask Gooch a question about Derek Carr? No, that was the question. The question was Derek Carr. Okay. For a, was for Baker in a first. Okay. Because I said that one time to you off air and you went, no, that's the dumbest thing in the world. And yeah. I went, but I want to see the Browns perspective of, yeah, yeah, take him, please. Get rid of him. Well, I mean, again, it's like, first off, Derek Carr should have been drafted by the Browns anyway. Khalil Mack should be a Brown. Odell Beckham should be a Brown. And the Derek Carr should have been a Brown. All that the good players draft, from the NFL should be Browns. They had a chance to get all those guys. Instead, they traded down and well, they got crap on. and di- Johnny Menzel. At some point, Ugh. we need to do that with the Josh Jacobs, uh, Cleve Farrell. And- yes, Damon Arnett. Yes, and all that. Uh, they could have drafted, like, Devin White instead of Cleveland Farrell. They could have drafted... Uh, 
Josh Allen, the pass rusher that the, went to Jacksonville? Or Josh Allen. Yeah, the, good Josh Allen. Yeah, good uh, they could have drafted literally any other wide receiver in the draft instead of Henry Ruggs. Um, I don't I don't remember Josh Jacobs if there was a slam dunk sec- safety to take in instead of Josh or uh, Jonathan Abram. The only time I think it's a mistake, a giant mistake, is when you miss in the first round. That's the only time I ever like look at a draft and just go, wow, how did you mess up that bad? How did you miss out on this guy? Mike Mayock did a lot of that. I thought you were I think John Gruden did a lot of that. Yeah. And then not Ma- here anymore. Yeah, and then Mayock had to take the, <laughs> to take I, the heat I, What it. I really want, though, is for Mayock to get back on TV and go, I mean, I got this guy. Everyone else has him as consensus fourth round. I'd take him at number three. Who was it? Um, somebody tweeted yesterday. I'll have to go find it. Somebody tweeted yesterday. I'm hearing that Mike Mayock wanted Devin White, but John Gruden pushed hard for Cleveland Furl. Like within an hour of Mike Mayock being fired, we had like reports of, uh oh, Mike Mayock didn't screw up those draft picks. It was all John Gruden. I'm a big believer that if you give a head coach too much power, it's not going to work. It's only worked how many times? Like a few times, and they have to be Belichick good. They have to be Andy Reid good. Oh no, Andy Reid doesn't. Andy Reid asks for draft picks. Like he goes, "I want that guy," and if they they have to like agree on. But it. it would make sense with someone like with that kind of a record to go. Okay, I think I deserve a little bit more power. So what I thought you were going to ask him about was Derek Carr's hands. Oh yes, I mean, have you noticed how tiny Derek Carr's hands are? No. He fumbles a lot because he has small hands. Oh, no. He is he is among the leaders in the NFL. He might be number one since he entered the league in fumbles and fumbles lost. Well, what I have realized about small hands is that if you have small hands, you can be the president of the United States. I mean, he definitely could be the mayor of Fresno. <laughs> I'm liking it. <laughs> so do you still want Derek Carr as a Brown with his tidy hands? Yes. Okay. I just think... Even though he's going to fumble... Every game. <laughs> I can live with it. Okay. Because if you watch what Baker did this year, <laughs> you'll take the one. I'll, be like, I'll take that one fumble a game. <laughs> well, okay. So what's I think's funny is number one and number two in law of like in fumbles are Jared Goff and Derek Carr and like number one and number two in smallest hands for starting quarterbacks. <laughs> Have we looked up exactly how small his hands are? We talked about it a lot. Uh, like, yeah, I looked it up a long time ago, but I can look it up again. But like, we, we we need to we didn't need more than just his hand size because I don't know what a good hand size. Is. I'll be like, honest we need with the, you. The comparison. If I'm an athlete, that has got to be one of those things that you have to be extremely insecure about. Like, out of all the stats, I don't care about. Just don't let anybody see my hand size. Well, okay, it's it sounds stupid, but in all seriousness. It's probably one of the most important things in a lot of sports, at a lot of positions. Like a quarterback, you want him to have big hands. Like a a basketball player needs to have big hands. They can palm the damn ball. Like hell, a baseball, a pitcher, wide receiver, yeah, a pitcher should have yes. big hands. It's easier to grip things and contort it, right? Like guitar players. It sounds stupid to be like Derek Carr has tiny hands. You don't want him because of that. But in reality, if a guy has too small hands. You might not want the guy. You're probably right, but at the same time, if they had a capable pass-blocking offensive line, which has been documented for being right. terrible for so long, a lot of these fumbles are him winding up. Well, every been, quarterback's going to fumble for like this that. Uh, a lot of them, a lot of them are him trying to cover the ball. To be honest with you, but his his hands are nine and one eighth inches. 
to put it in comparison, Josh Allen's hands are 10 and wow. one-eighth inches. It's a big boy. So, it, again, it sounds stupid, but it is a genuine like conversation about his small hands. 10-inch hands. You could palm a man's head, and, st- <laughs> and like you might be able to like get some traction to pick him up a little bit with a 10-inch hand like a claw game. And then how far could Josh Allen throw him? It's oh, good. Is he going to be able to use the same mechanics? Like if he picked you up by you your head, how far? All hundred and seventy-five pounds of me. I think I'm pretty you, sure. I think he gets you six yards. I think that's a good. That's a lot yeah. for one hundred and seventy pounds. I think he gets you six yards. I think that's pretty good. Yeah. You might have to sort of like <laughs> swing you under by the head. <laughs> Daniel Jones has nine and three fourths inches hands. It's bigger than Derek Carr. Mm. Mm. Can you find mm. in the next couple of minutes? A quarterback who has smaller hands than Derek Carr. Yes, I can. Okay. Get on. It's, Have you already it's done that? Jake Fromm. Jake Fromm. Okay. Okay. Not how, a starter. How, how big are Jake Fromm's hands? Uh, like nine. It's got to be like nine inches. Derek no, Carr was nine and It is 8.875 inches. Pretty small. Apparently, there's a guy named Princeton from Princeton named Kevin Davidson. I did not watch a lot of Princeton football. Eight point. You know what's sad is us talking about... I'm pretty sure I have bigger hands. Where do you measure? Where do you measure? Pinky to thumb? thumb, Yeah, pinky to thumb. Okay. Yeah. We're going to have to measure our hands because I think I have small hands. Yeah, I got... I I wear medium gloves. I don't know my glove size. I don't wear gloves. How how do you know your glove size? I don't know. You go to Home Depot and you try on a glove. Do you wear gloves enough, Jared, to know your glove size? Okay. Well, I got it. Well, I do like yard work and, and man stuff. You live in Las Vegas. When I know. do you do yard he work? Rakes, I, he rakes stones. I, 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 I get a blower and I blow the leaves out of the uh, from underneath the tree. I got to make, dude, my HOA is, will be on my bottom. They'll be right up there. I also own a pair of work gloves. I don't know what size they are. I thought they were just like one size for You just all. go work gloves. Done. <laughs> Maybe I'm a little I too bougie. Assume, maybe you are. Yeah, you yeah. got nice work gloves. Yeah, Tyler just goes, just give me gloves, yeah. period. And I'm like, no, no, no. Hold on a second here. I have precision involving my yard work. Okay. So to measure your glove size, you wrap a tape measure around, around your knuckles at whatever amount of inches that is, that's your glove size. Okay. And so you round to, to the with, lower of the two. It has nothing to do with finger length. No. Which seems important. I guess maybe the width of your hand kind of is like, a pretty standard. If I put on a small glove, it's it's like I have to like curl my hand up. You know what I mean? Like I have to. How many know? gloves do you have? No, I'm just saying like if I try to do it, I'm like, let's see if it works. And it's like, no, I got to really like really like contort my hand to get into a small glove. See, I get the weird thing where my pointer finger is longer than my middle finger. Mm. And so baseball gloves always like didn't fit my hand correctly. Mm. I'm going to say the last glove I put on was a baseball glove. Right. I don't wear gloves. I just find it very weird. You're like, my glove size is medium. Right. Well, what was your baseball glove size? (laughs) What? Uh, (laughs) First base? I just love how incredulous you say. (laughs) It was an Ichiro brand. Ichiro brand. Thank you. Yours? You had an Ichiro branded first baseman's glove? Yes, from Mizuno. I think I had a Cal Ripken one. Why would they make an Ichiro first baseman's club? Because they're Mizuno, and basically they paid Ichiro to put his name on stuff, and they put it on. I'm pretty sure I had a pair of Ichiro shoes. Yeah. I mean, he was fast. That makes more sense than a first baseman's glove to me. Did you have have a player... Like themed glove, like I, I had did a not Cal have a player. Glove. No, I didn't know this was a thing. I, I had a Cal Ripken had a, glove. I didn't know you got Ichiro emblazoned. Yeah. It was just Cal Ripken's face, like in the middle of the palm. <laughs> it 
It was like the ugliest <laughs> glove in the world. So and believe picked, me, when I so, went out there to play with kids, they're like, you're picked last. So every time you caught it, you're just, his face is just exactly. getting just by like, the baseball. Oh, God, you're the Iron Man, Cal. Keep on going. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up next. <laughs> we didn't do it. That's fine. Ted Wynn joins the show. I guess I learned that um, I, I could do the job. You know, I, I learned that I could have conversations with other coaches uh, to figure out how to possibly win a game or, and still uh, keep the same role that I had where you can uh, build relationship with players and still do the job that I started off with. I can see now how offensive coordinators can get a head job and still call plays and defensive coordinators get a head job and still call plays. So uh, I kind of learned that uh, about myself as well. Joining us now from The Athletic is Ted Wynn. Good morning, Ted. How are you? Doing well. How are you? Good. All right. Let's start with the Raiders here. And I'm just curious if you were giving sort of a a full season review here. Did anything Greg Olson do offensively after John Gruden was gone give you reason to think he should be kept as an offensive coordinator for the Raiders? No, you know, I think he did some good things. There were um, some cool ideas and I, I thought there were some cool play designs. But um, overall, I just didn't... Um, like the just the sequencing of play calling and some situational play calling stuff, uh, but there, there were definitely some clever ideas that uh, that were drawn up and, and created. Uh, but I just think there's a ceiling there with uh, Greg Olson that uh, you know I, I would think that you would want to surpass if uh, when hiring an offensive coordinator. What do you think the issues were? And this is certainly not just Greg Olson because they were prevalent in years past. Like, why was this team so bad in the red zone for multiple years? Uh, well, one, I, I think uh, part of it is the system. Um, you know, I, I think that there were some questionable uh, play calling, even when Gruden was the offensive coordinator. I, I wrote about it. Um, you know, they, they got a little predictable and just getting to two back kind of telegraphed where they were going. Um, they, they were in short yardage situations. They, they ran the ball way too much um, instead of, you know, mixing in some play action or using some quarterback sneaks and uh, just doing things that um, teams that are really good at short yardage uh, do. Like I, I did a study on the, the Saints short yardage. They use a ton of uh, quarterback sneaks. They use single back. They use um, they use Taysom Hill, at, you know, as, as a quarterback. And and the Raiders got better when they uh, put. They finally started using uh, Marcus Mariota, and um, you, that's something that should they should have done, to, uh, you know, a couple of years ago. I think. On the other side, uh, the defense was better this season. Still, probably wasn't a great defense, but was Gus Bradley like? What were you most impressed with that the defense did this season? Uh, I think the most impressive thing was just how Bradley was able to unlock some of the players that were already uh, with the Raiders, like like Max Crosby. And, um, just you know, I, I think um, we as people that have seen the Raiders are so used to seeing a defense that's just god awful, that's like 32nd <laughs> in the league or 30th in the league, that even when you see an average or even a little below average defense, you know, we're like, wow, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, uh, it was such a, a difference just to see a defense that was uh, just below average instead of, you know, got awful. So, uh, but, you know, I, I really think he did a good job of getting guys organized. There wasn't blown coverages like we've seen in the past. Uh, putting guys in the right position to succeed 
Um, still, I, I think there's some limitations with Gus Bradley just because his defenses are so vanilla. Like everybody knows exactly what he's going to do. They're going to play cover three. Um, and, and it could be easy to game plan against, uh, but they were technically very sound. And, you know, I thought Bradley was uh, pretty instrumental in bringing in um, successful uh, uh, free agent acquisitions like, you know, Denzel Perriman bringing his guys in from um, the Chargers who all played pretty well with the uh, with the Raiders. Do you think this roster is good enough that if they make the right hire for head coach and coordinators, that it can be a legitimate contender? Or is this a roster that doesn't really have a great chance, regardless of coach, of catching, you know, Kansas City and Buffalo in the AFC? I think the core pieces are there. I, I think you have the right pieces. You know, for example, they have a really good four man pass rush, which um, is very highly coveted. Um, in the league and you know for good reason um i I thought Derek carr played really well this season Uh, you know i i know that they're not completely sold on bringing him back yet um and it would depend on his you know how much he would want yearly and how big that contract's going to be um but i I thought he made some big improvements in his game you know with creating after the play and this was probably one of the worst offensive lines he's had but he's he was still able to carry this team and make plays out of structure and do things that he hasn't really done in the past, like throw deep. Um, so, you know, I was really encouraged with Derek Carr's play, and I, I want to see how he, this new and improved Derek Carr looks like with a legitimate offensive line in front of him. Um, and, you know, there's pieces like Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, um, but th- this roster's not there yet. But I think that there's key pieces in place, and, you, you know, you have to fix the offensive line. You have to add another weapon. Uh, you know, you, you need to kind of uh, fortify the, the secondary. Um, but I think those things can be accomplished in this offseason. So if you get a good head coach and you're able to add those you know pieces in that you need, I, I think this could be a, um, a play, you know, a, a team that goes deep in the playoffs. So you think they should hold on to Carr? I know obviously the conversation is around how much you end up paying him, but like you think he's – He's worth holding on to that if you build the roster up around him, the Raiders can win with Derek Carr. Yes. Uh, you know, I, like I said, I think he made some huge improvements in his game in the last couple of years. Um, and, you know, he, he did something I thought uh, that I, I doubted he could do this season, which was carry a, a, a really bad offensive um, roster. You know, the, the offensive line couldn't run the ball for most of the season. They got better towards the end of the end of the season, they couldn't pass block. Um, after Ruggs got hurt and Waller got hurt, these guys just struggled to create separation, and still Carr was able to will them to a, a few wins and get them to the playoffs. So, uh, you know, I, I think it depends on how much he's demanding. You know, I I would definitely consider trading if he, he if he wants the biggest quarterback deal in the league. Um, but, um, I, you know, I'm curious to see this improved Carr with a – an action, you know, an offensive coordinator and offensive line. All right. Outside of the Raiders, do you think the 49ers running game is good enough to actually get them to a Super Bowl? I do because they've done it before. Um, and they've done Garoppolo has improved this season and um, they got to the Super Bowl, you know, in their Super Bowl run in 2018. I mean, yeah, I forgot how many times he passed in that Green Bay game, you know, but. I don't think that's going to happen again, but I think the combination of their running game and Garoppolo's improvement can get them to a Super Bowl. 
but it would just he can't make those boneheaded interceptions as these games as they get deeper in the playoffs. You know, like it, it's just like you could almost bet that he's going to make a, a boneheaded interception every game. Like he <laughs> plays well, plays well, plays well, and then just out of nowhere, just a really unnecessary you know floater into into uh, traffic. It just doesn't make sense. But I do believe that um, this running game is good enough. I mean, they I mean, Trent Williams. The left tackle is just a difference maker. I was watching that game yesterday, and man, you just don't see guys getting in the NFL get moved around um, like Williams does to def- defenders. Uh, and George Kittle is amazing on the edge too. Ted Wynn with us from the Athletic. I'm just curious your thoughts on the quarterback draw by the Cowboys with 14 seconds left in that game. Yeah, you know I understand what they were trying to do, and and 14 seconds is the absolute maximum you you would want to you know try to run a play and then spike the ball so you need everything to go absolutely perfect for that to happen and you have you have one second left on the clock um i just think that with that little time left the yardage isn't worth the risk because you know they ended up on a 25 yard line and if you're on the 25 yard line the defense is going to line up all their guys in end zone so it's going to be a prayer ball anyways. Granted, you do probably have a better percentage from the 25-yard line, but how much better is it you know, from the 40-yard line when you're going to have to throw a prayer ball into the, into the end zone anyways? You know, and I know Justin Herbert can make a bullet throw into those little tight windows, but I just don't think Prescott, you know, I think he's a very good arm, but he, I don't think he has that elite type of arm where it makes a huge difference you know, throwing the ball from the 40 to the 25. I still think you need to throw a prayer ball into traffic and hope something good happens. So I would, I would have rather just take multiple shots from the 40 rather than risk it all uh, for one play from the 25. Um, you know, you, I think you might have, they might have been able to get three plays off um, from the 40 if the ball isn't intercepted. Uh, do the Kansas City Chiefs have the most fun goal line packages? Yeah, I mean, it's just ridiculous. I mean, I, I talked to their uh, quarterback coach, Mike Kafka, in the offseason, and, you know, that, that's, that's the stuff that survived the cutting room floor. So you can imagine you know, how much <laughs> stuff they just come up with um, that, that didn't, make the, uh, didn't make the final call sheet. So it, it, it's just funny. Like, to me, I, I tweeted this. I just think, like, they just think of the most wild stuff ever, and that's their, their goal line package. But, I mean, it works, you know. I mean, I, I think the Raiders have to get a little more creative in the red zone, too. Uh, it, it's just a, the red zone's a hard place to score. It's a hard, pl- you know, space is limited. And if you're not running the ball very well, like the Chiefs, they, they can run the ball well uh, against light boxes. But, um, you know, against stack boxes, that's something they don't want to do. So just coming up with all these creative answers, getting eyes fl- going all over the place, um, it, it's just a very effective uh, way of scoring for them. And, I mean, you can't say it doesn't work, you know, and there, there's a method theater madness to, uh, you know, shuffle passes and underhand passes. Um, it, it's something they've done for a long time and it keeps working. So, um, yeah, it, it's fun to watch, but at the same time, it's, uh, there, there's, um, there's definitely some substance behind what they're doing. Last thing I wanted to ask you about very specific play. The Cowboys messed it up against the 49ers, but like in the regular season, I remember the jets running it successfully and somebody else did too. But when you have like a third and 15, we've seen a couple of teams that run a guy on a crossing route, complete it like five yards down the field. 
and then he will throw it like a spiral, throw it across the field to another receiver who hasn't actually run down the field, hoping that the defense will all be flowing to where the pass went. I'm hoping you've seen this play as I set it up here, but like, I feel like we're going to see that every single game in the NFL next year. Yeah. So, um, the Cowboys almost hit, I mean, I, I, I rewatched it. We watched that play on the all 22. And if Cedric Wilson threw a better ball that they would have definitely got a first down and maybe a lot more. They, he had a leading, a lead blocker in front of him. I think it was CD lamb that almost got the target, but he had a lead blocker in front of him and plenty of space just because everybody flowed towards um, Cedric Wilson. Uh, but yeah, I call that the, the modern hook and ladder. And I saw the jets do it first, but what it, what it is is when defenses play sticks defense, so sticks defense like on third and 15 or something when they just line up their guys way back to the sticks. And when you do that, there's no pressure on the ball. So he has time to um, you know, spin around and throw the ball like you, you mentioned. Um, so, you know, with stick defense, once they see the ball, the ball thrown to a receiver, they converge on them hard um, because they're all sitting back there. So that's kind of the um, – the principle of that play is to counter that type of defense and it's a very common defense. So I think we'll see, you know, plays like that uh, more often and um, you know, maybe some gets completed. Some might get uh, some, some receivers might throw a bad ball and get the return for a touchdown. Uh, but yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see it called um, a few more times as copy cat league. Well, he is Ted Wynn from the athletic Ted. We appreciate your time this morning. No problem. Thanks for having me on. So there is Ted Wynn from the athletic breaking down football for you on the radio. Mm. How you doing? Gooch doing good. I soaked in a lot of information. Did the you? athletic. Do you know what play I, I'm talking about? I feel like I'm getting all the subscription worth from what he just said there. Yeah. The monthly you subscription. Did. You did. Yeah. Do you know what play I'm talking about though? Which one? The throw it to a receiver, like five yards down the field. And then he throws like a, a, a pass, like a spiral across the field to a different receiver. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've seen it. What, what the Music City Miracle? I mean, it's pretty much the same thing. <laughs> Not a lateral at the end of the game. This is just third down in the right, second quarter. Right. You're doing it. It's great. Right. Everybody's going to like run. a little screen. And yeah. I, I get like we throw a screen over here, and then they throw a screen over there. Is it me, or have we not seen way more trick plays in the last like two or three years than we saw leading up to that? It just seems like I every time I, I watched. Jarvis Landry throws so many passes. Odell, I've seen him throw so many passes. It's like, I just keep seeing. Well, when you got Odell Beckham, you got to let him loose. Break him out. Throw it down the field, Odell. Was, was Odell the best quarterback on the Browns roster this year? I would have to say Jarvis Landry. Okay, yeah, Jarvis has had some passes. Every time, he's, every time he lined up the throw, it was like, it worked. And Baker, meh. All right, some on-air planning, Jared, before we go to break. Do we have anything we need to give away right now? I'm still locked out. Perfect. Oh, okay. That was the Cardinals are in the red zone for the first time tonight. Burgess collects another tackle for LA. And now flags soar as Jalen Ramsey is getting in the mix with Aaron, most of the Cardinals offensive line. Go ahead, Maurice. It's Aaron Donald going at it, and then there goes Jalen to come in and help as guys are all upset. Let's see what happens, how they sort it out. DJ Humphreys, the left tackle, 74, is without his helmet. After the play was over, personal foul, unnecessary roughness. Defense, number 99, 15-yard penalty automatic, first down. You're locked in the press box. That's who you want to fight. That's the play where Aaron Donald had his hands around the guy's throat or tried to put his hands around the guy's throat, right? Yeah, that's probably not smart. Have you seen him do the thing where he 
has his trainer like pull out a knife and he uses his hands to like deflect it and that's how he does like arm training really yeah so he just he just does the music video from beat it um no like he has this guy like try to stab him and he's like trying to pass rush through a oh, knife oh okay make it hard basically just taking that jason bourne training kind of yeah the elite military training i know who jason bourne is thank god he played uh for the thank phoenix god. suns right in the 2000s <laughs> <laughs> i know jason bourne it's like every time i make a reference about anything oh, pop culture on Ty tyler i go i go uh, tyler i go jason bourne I don't know a music video you referenced before. The though. Beat It, Michael Jackson Beat It. Oh, I know that song. Yeah, I don't know the music video. You never saw the video where they tied each other's hands together and they gave each other a switchblade and that's how they fought. They had to fight that way. Was no. that the Beat It video or the bad video? It's Beat It. Okay, because the bad video is uh, for some reason Wesley Snipes is scared of uh, scared of Michael Jackson. Right? Well, why wouldn't you? He's bad. Well, he paid his taxes. <laughs> A lot of references I probably don't get. Wow. Who didn't pay their taxes? Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes hated oh. taxes. I mean, he hated taxes and he hated vampires. Yeah, that's fair. He was Blade the Vampire Hunter. Who? There you go. Blade? There you go. Blade? Blade, Blade the Vampire Hunter. Oh, is that a good movie? Oh. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the first one. The, I like first the first one. one. Actually, I kind of like the second one better. And the third one is. If you watch only Ryan Reynolds scenes, it is enjoyable. Who is Wesley Snipes? You don't know who Wesley Snipes oh, is? Oh, I recognize this Okay, guy. Here's, another, here's another movie I got to know. This is a sports movie. It's one of my all-time favorite nope. movies. White Men Can't Jump. Have no. you seen? No. God. Major League. He's never seen Major League. No. He hasn't seen Jerry Maguire. What about The Natural? Never heard of That's it. That's not a... I mean, it's a, it's, I mean, it's, it's a sports any, movie. Any given Sunday? No. Remember the Titans? No. <laughs> I've seen Hardball. Okay. I didn't see Hardball. <laughs> no, Hardball's good. Except where Keanu Reeves if, coaches up the inner city team. What about the I replacements? I think he owes a bookie or something. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then the most unrealistic part is not Keanu Reeves, you know, te like teaching baseball in the inner city. It's, I believe, the Jets cover the spread. <laughs> yeah. It was Keanu Reeves basically did uh, Dangerous Minds, but with inner city baseball. No, my yes. favorite part of Hardball is he tries to give the guy tickets to a Chicago Blackhawks game. And the guy is like, the only thing black at a hockey game is the puck. Oh, that is. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that was a funny line. A good line. <laughs> but I've seen Hardball. All these other movies, you, you, they, they aren't real. Which one did you just say? None of these sports movies are real. I said the replacements. Replacements with Keanu Reeves. Don't know what that is. He trained the the hilarious thing about that is if you ever like looked up that movie, Keanu Reeves like spent six months training for that yeah. for that terror like not terrible, but that like mediocre And comedy. he was living on a houseboat. There was a lot of training going into the living in a houseboat. Point break. Take us out, please, Tyler. I was just hoping you were gonna keep naming movies. Oh yeah, no, I, I mean had, we can keep see naming if, I, uh, if I've seen any of them. Forty two. Bad news bears. No and no. No and no. Well, at least you knew there was a remake. Field of or, Dreams. Field of Dreams. No. Oh, my God. Which, oh. by the way, it annoyed me when they did the Field of Dreams games this year and Kevin Costner was on the field for like 10 minutes. And you didn't know why. Well, I know who You Kevin didn't Costner soak in is. the magic. No, it was stupid. Play the uh, game. The game was fun, but play the game. I don't need to see Kevin it, Costner nothing's coming. waving the corn. Nothing is coming if you build it.